it has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. I'll not forget the day, January the 8th, 1989. I was a teenager and a fan of the Chicago Bears. That day, my dad took me to the National Football Conference Championship game between the San Francisco 49ers and Chicago Bears there at Soldier Field in Chicago. It was a very cold winter day, and with the wind chill, the temperature was dropping. But I'll tell you, my excitement was high because the winner of the game would go to the Super Bowl. Having lived for most of my life up until that point in the Chicago area, this was a very exciting moment. The Bears could go all the way to the Super Bowl. After a few hours of enduring negative temperatures, my excitement dwindled to disappointment as the Bears lost the game. In fact, they were blown out. I didn't realize that that was just the beginning of my disappointment that day. After the game, my dad took me to dinner and told me something that would drastically change our family. After 15 years of marriage, he and my mom were getting a divorce. And I'll tell you, I didn't understand at the time. I knew things were tough, but I didn't think it was that bad. As my parents went through the divorce process, I became angry about many things and I actually began to get angry with my mom, most especially. At the age of 18, having just graduated from high school, one day I packed up my stuff and I left home. My mom had gone to work that morning as she had almost every day to support me and my three younger brothers since the process of the divorce had begun. I packed up my stuff and left without speaking to my mom or letting her know where I was going. I made no contact with her at all. She tried contacting me. Phone calls, cards, gifts, never missing a holiday, finding whatever excuse she could to send something or to make something for me, but I didn't respond to her at all. For two years, this went on. I was angry. I was lost, and I was a confused young man. One weekend, I attended a conference that, looking back on it, taught many principles that were not biblical. However, something good came out of that conference. During a time of reflection, I came to realize how selfish that I had been and how selfish I was being, and so I made a decision. I made a decision to call my mom. But here's the challenge, friend. What do you say? How do you say it? What would she say? As soon as my mom answered the phone and she heard my voice, I could hear her crying. I said the only thing that I could think of, and I said, I'm sorry. My mom accepted me back with no conditions, no questions, no pressure. She just accepted me back. You see, I had been lost and confused. But now, 
I was found. I share this story to help illustrate the point that God pursues each of us in a similar way. No matter where you are in life, he wants to be reunited with you. For the last two weeks, we have studied the parables in Luke 15 and have seen that Jesus is relentless in his pursuit after us. Today, we go back to Luke 15. We go to the last of those parables recorded in the third gospel. And beginning in verse 11, it says these words. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, And he began to be in want. Then he went, joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough And to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this is my son who is dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, 
and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. My dear friends, what an incredibly powerful and moving story. You know, as we understand this story in its context, we will gain even more appreciation for it. It was not that unusual for a father at that time to divide his inheritance up to his sons before his death. But the fact that his son asked it sent a very clear message. Not only was his request in very poor taste, but it was a denial of the authority and even the existence of the father. And while the father could have refused the son's request, he did not. He seemed content to allow for the son's free will choice. Now, according to the law of Moses, the oldest son would receive a double portion of the inheritance and any younger sons received a single portion. So in this case, the man had two sons. The oldest would have received two-thirds, while the youngest would have received one-third. The regular order of things is that when any division of the inheritance would have been made while the father was still alive, the property of the father would remain with him until the father's death. The son's demand in this case of both the division and possession of the property was an undoubtedly offensive action to the father. Yet the father did not object. Now, sometime after the son had received his portion, he cut off his ties to home. And the Bible says that he went off to a far off place. The Bible says in that far off place, he wasted his possessions and lived like a prodigal. That word wasted in the original can be literally translated to scatter or squander. You see, the younger son was living large. He had all he needed. He had lots of friends. Well, at least so he thought. To live as a prodigal meant that he lived without any moral restraint in any matter. You see, he was far from home, spending like there was no end and forgetting the values he had been brought up with. He wanted to squeeze everything he could have out of life and take it all in. But friend, doesn't that sound like what many are aiming to do today? Does any of that sound like your experience now? Where are you today in your life? You see, for the prodigal, the large living came to a screeching halt. Everything was gone. The money was gone. All the inheritance had been squandered away. Where were all of his friends? Where were the beneficiaries of all of his frivolous spending? Certainly some one of them would have taken him in. Somebody would help him, right? No. They were all gone. You see, because as his financial resources dried up, so therefore did his friends dry up. And on top of all of that, 
the land experienced a famine. So not only was he without any means, but there would be no way to earn more. And with no money and no friends, there was no one to help him. So the Bible says that he joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, for all practical purposes, what he did was he sold himself into slavery. And of all things to do, he was assigned to feed the pigs. For this young Jewish man, nothing could have been more humiliating than to have to feed unclean pigs. He had fallen so low. He was so hungry that he didn't even have enough money for food. And so he actually craved the pig's food. Now, most likely those pigs would have been eating the husks of the carob or locust bean plant. The beans themselves had been removed for human consumption and the leftover pods would be given to the animals for feed. And so at some point, this young man came to the realization that he could return home. He could return to his father and he could work as a hired hand in his father's home and be treated better. And so he figured out a plan on what to say to earn the father's favor. Somehow, somehow he believed that he could just say the right words, his father might accept him back. So the prodigal started his journey home. I'm sure as he traveled, he thought about how excited he had been to leave home. He may have thought about how far he had gone, the money he had spent, the people he met, and now an embarrassment to himself and probably in his own mind, he was an embarrassment to the family. And so he makes that journey home. And while this prodigal son may not have known why he had this desire to go home, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 offers this insightful hint. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God has planted a seed deep in every heart to desire to do right. The prodigal acted on this sense and he began his trip home. It may not be easy to do what is right, just like it may not have been easy for this prodigal son to decide to go home. But when we take that first step of faith, God is there to walk with us the rest of the way. We don't have to do it alone. As the sun neared home, the Bible paints a touching picture. The son was probably still rehearsing his speech in his mind, maybe even paying attention to what would have been the familiar sights of home. But there was someone who was paying attention, someone who didn't need to rehearse his speech. Even while the son was still in the distance, his father saw him. He must have been watching. He must have been praying for his son to return home. And the father did not wait to hear what his son had to say for himself. He did not require the boy to come on bowed knee. He did not make some random requirement for his acceptance of him. 
He was so full of love. He was so full of compassion toward his son. The Bible says he ran to his son. He embraced his son. He didn't take the time to ask why he smelled so bad or what he had been doing all this time. He was just so overjoyed that he threw a celebration at his return. The son confessed his sin and tried to give his rehearsed speech about not being worthy to be a son and being willing to just serve as a hired hand. But the father was so thrilled by the arrival of his son that the rehearsed speech never made it out of his son's mouth. His father placed a robe around him. That robe would have covered the tattered and worn clothes that the son most assuredly had on. And upon that hand that not that long ago had been involved in eating and drinking and living in ways that were contrary to the ways of his father, the family signet ring was placed upon him. The father clothed the son to look like his son. And now the signet ring on his hand indicated that the father had fully accepted and restored his son. The father was so happy and so overjoyed that they had a welcome home celebration. My dear friend, where have you been wandering? In this story is a plain and simple reminder that God wants to bring you back to him. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know where circumstances have led you. But what I do know is this, that just as the father unreservedly accepted his son, he will take you back. You've not gone too far from him. He's been looking for you. Will you return? There may be some who try to stand in your way. There may even be some who are not happy about your returning. The older brother in the parable had undoubtedly been faithful in his duty. He worked the fields and felt like he was basically a servant to his father. He criticized his father's judgment when it came to his younger brother. And now a party? Why? He heard the music and the happy activities and it only made him more angry. And he refused to go in and welcome home his brother. The father pled with him to join them. And instead of sharing in the father's joy, he recounted the hard years of labor and complained that he had never been given any reward or recognition for staying the course. And this story closes with the father's words. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Do you recognize that you are lost and far off from God today? This story teaches that you can return. While some may question the sincerity of your decision and others may question motives, God does not. It doesn't matter what decisions you've made. No matter how far you've gone away, God wants you back. To the person who has some of the tendencies of the older brother in this story, Jesus is calling you to a life of compassion for others. 
to love like Jesus loves, to act like Jesus acts, and to accept as Jesus accepts. Friend, today is the day to come, to come to your senses as the prodigal son did and respond to God's call. Isaiah, the 55th chapter, verses 6 and 7 say these words. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God. For he will abundantly pardon. Today I want to close with a beautiful quotation from a book about the parables of Jesus called Christ Object Lessons. Do not listen to the enemy's suggestion to stay away from Christ until you have made yourself better, until you are good enough to come to God. If you wait until then, you will never come. When Satan points to your filthy garments, repeat the promise of Jesus, him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Arise, go to your father, he will meet you a great way off. If you take even one step toward him in repentance, he will hasten to enfold you in his arms of infinite love. His ear is open to the cry of the contrite soul. The very first reaching out of the heart after God is known to him. Never a prayer is offered, however faltering. Never a tear is shed, however secret. Never a sincere desire after God is cherished, however feeble but the Spirit of God goes forth to meet it. Even before the prayer is uttered or the yearning of the heart made known, grace from Christ goes forth to meet the grace that is working upon the human soul. My dear friend, do you want to experience that today? God is waiting and he's watching for you. Dear Heavenly Father, each of us is a prodigal in our own right. We've wandered away and we want to come home. Please give us the courage, the strength to take that first step that then you would walk with us all the way home. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. everyone. Today, let's talk about easy weight loss. That doesn't sound right, does it? For most people, losing weight is not an easy thing. But I've got two things that are going to make it, if not easy, at least hopefully fun. What are these two things? A fork and your walking shoes. It doesn't get any easier than that. The trick with the fork is to make sure you put it into something plant-based. If you're really serious about losing weight, the best and easiest way is to leave out animal-based foods from your everyday eating. And you know what? It's also the healthiest way. Let me challenge you to a challenge, the veggie challenge, for one week. 
Instead of using animal-based foods, stock up on life-enhancing, weight-loss-inducing foods such as chickpeas, lentils, kidney beans, sweet potato, beets, carrots, spinach, whole wheat pasta, brown rice, oats, whole grain breads, apples, oranges, bananas. All of these are packed with the nutrition your body needs, including the carbohydrates, proteins, fats, vitamins, and minerals. And they've all got something else too. Can you guess what it is? Fiber. The fiber in these foods is gonna fill you up so that you actually eat less. And remember, plant foods typically have half the calories that animal foods tend to have because there's so much less fat and no cholesterol. That's what's so great about plant foods. Full of all the good stuff your body needs and none of the bad. With plant foods, you can eat more and weigh less. And here's something else to think about when it comes to your fork. Studies show that an effective way to lose weight is to have your biggest meal in the morning. It makes sense when you think about it because if you eat most of your calories early in the day, you then can spend all day burning them off. But if you eat most of your calories in the evening, usually we don't engage in a lot of activity after that evening meal. So it's easy to pack on the pounds. The old saying, breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and supper like a pauper, really is a good idea. So that takes care of the fork part. For the part with the walking shoes, I challenge you to walk one hour every day. You can do it in two half-hour segments or three 20-minute segments, whatever you like. If you're not used to walking so much, be sure to work your way up to it so that perhaps in about two months you're walking a full hour. Seriously, losing weight doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to count your calories, weigh your food, or purchase expensive pills or powders. Simply use your fork to dig into some wholesome plant foods and lace up those walking shoes and get moving. If you do these two things, you are essentially changing your lifestyle. And that's the key. Once you've started, don't go back to your old ways. Keep it up for a lifetime of optimal health. And if you accept my challenge for a veggie challenge, write down this website, www.veg.ca. Once you're there, click on the Veggie Challenge tab and sign up to receive wonderfully helpful emails every day that will make it so easy for you to get healthy and lose weight all at the same time. Enjoy the Veggie Challenge, and I'll see you next time. My dear friend, like the father of the parable of the prodigal son that stood anxiously waiting for that son to return, God wants you to return. He wants you to take that first step. To help you in taking those first steps, I want to offer you the book, Three Steps to Heaven. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. 
That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. My dear friend, I pray that you have found hope that the Father wants you to return home. Please join us again next week. Until then, remember, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.